Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, well, welcome to church. Anybody excited to be in the house today? Hey, I want to say a special welcome to everybody watching online and everybody in Overflow. Can we just show them some love this morning, Renovation Church? Thank you for being here. And also, can we just welcome our first-time guest to the house? Come on, we're so excited you're here. Man, welcome to Renovation Church. I hope you know that if you walked in today, this is a church you can belong before you believe. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to behave. Man, we just, we want to love you where you are. We're so glad that you would spend about an hour of your time with us. And uh, we're in the, in the second installment of a series we'll talk about in just a minute. But man, I would love to just pray and ask God to do what we cannot do for ourselves. If you will, will you stretch a hand towards heaven, wherever you're watching from, just take some time here to let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're gonna do right here, right now. And we're not here just to go through the motions and play church. Not here to just check it off of a religious box. But we're here to encounter you. And so God, would you just kind of get me out of the way? We don't need another sermon from pastor. We need the word of God. And so God, I just ask that as we open up your word, would you speak directly to that part in their life that they need you to, to speak, to heal the area that they need healed, to redeem what they need redeemed, to save those who need to be saved. Meet us here today, God. Eliminate distractions. Thank you for making yourself available. We love you. And it's in Jesus' mighty name, everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Hey, say hi to somebody next to you. Give them a high five, a hug, a handshake, or a kiss. Hey, if you're watching online, make sure you take the time to share the stream. Never know who's gonna need this message today. Man, well, we are in week two of a series called Daddy Issues. Why don't you just find a neighbor and tell them they got daddy issues? (laughs) Type it in the chat, you got daddy issues. I know it's probably not the first thing you wanted to confess this morning, but we are in the second installment. And what we're doing in this series is we're specifically looking at um, what God the Father said directly to Jesus, his son. We're looking at the relationship between God and between Jesus, and I believe that what God speaks over his son um, really drives Jesus' ministry and his miracles and everything that he does wouldn't have been possible in his life if he couldn't walk with this confidence and this level of assurance of what God says. And we see him talk to, to Jesus directly twice in Scripture. We see him address him as he's baptized. He comes up out of the water in Matthew chapter 3. And then we also see God speak to him in Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration. Both times, he says the exact same thing. And here's what he said. This is what we're kind of building this entire series on. Matthew chapter three, he says this, this is my son whom I loved and with him I am well pleased. Come on, why don't you read that with me? Say that with me. Say, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. And what I love about that moment, that's the same thing he says later on in his life. That this was the moment before Jesus ever performed miracles. This is the moment before Jesus raised the dead or opened blind eyes or unclogged deaf ears or healed sick bodies. Before he ever did any of that, that's what God spoke to his son. That was at the beginning of his ministry when he was unknown. And then three years later, he says the exact same thing. What does that mean and why is it important to you? Because when Jesus was unknown and Jesus was well-known, his father loved him, saw him, and accepted him. 
And if you don't know this about your life, I think we fall into the trap where we think we gotta perform in order to get God's acceptance and affirmation. But what that passage shows us is that God loves you before you ever perform for Him. Can I get an amen? That he doesn't love you based upon what you do. He loves you because that's who he is. And that when he looks at you in Christ, he says, this is my child who I love and with you I'm well pleased. And he speaks to three things in that passage that I think every single one of us needs. And we've all desired since we were a kid. So if you're taking notes, write these three things down. The number one thing was acceptance. Say acceptance. Everybody's looking to be accepted. The second thing is affection. Say affection. And the final thing is affirmation. Say affirmation. So he says, this is my son, acceptance, whom I love, that's affection, and with him I'm well pleased, affirmation. And that's what every single one of us need. It's what you've longed for your entire life. And in fact, it's why, if you have issues like me, it's why you have the issues you have because we looked for those things naturally from our earthly parents, our earthly dad, our earthly mom. And the problem with that is, is our parents ain't perfect. Find the neighbor, tell them you ain't perfect. Look at the other one and say, I know you pretend to be, but you are not perfect. And because we're not perfect, we have issues. And we got issues because our daddy had issues. And our daddy had issues because his daddy had issues. And on and on and on it goes. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so if you missed last week, that was the first sermon. It was around acceptance. But I want us to, to look at this because what we tend to do when we don't get these three things perfectly from our earthly parents is then we just go to friendships we go to another person and a spouse or a partner. We try to look for those things at our job, by our boss, by our coach. And here's why that's the problem, because your greatest needs will be partially fulfilled in people, but they can be perfectly fulfilled in God. Amen. And so we look for these things, but God has a lot to say. And if you're not careful, you will live for the approval of people. And in the meantime, you will find yourself looking for love in all the wrong places. So if you're taking notes, the title of the message today is Looking for Love, Looking for Love. I wanna talk about that second idea of affection where God says he loves you because I think we don't really fully grasp what love is because if we did, we'd do it a little differently, wouldn't we? I think the problem with love in our culture is it's become so generalized and we love everything. And if you love everything, do you really love anything? I mean, like we, we say we love, we love everything. The other day I was uh, cooking some breakfast for my son Tatum and he loves pancakes. Come on, anybody loves some good pancakes? Now I'm a master at pancakes. I take the bisquick in the water and mix it together. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I make him some pancakes and douse it in syrup and he's just eating. I'm like, buddy, are those pancakes good? He's like, mm-hmm. I said, do you love pancakes? He's like, mm-hmm. I said, how much? He swallows and he, I was like, do you love them as much as you love me? He's like, mm, I don't think so, <laughs> right? Like we just love everything. And I think we're raising a generation that hears us use that word a lot and it's been overused and abused and, and now it's become undervalued. And so now we got kids that love tacos like they love Jesus. We, we, love, we love our dogs, we love our cats. If you're from the devil, come on somebody. You love your cars, you, you love your city, you love your work. Like we just use that word all the time. I mean, I remember the first time I said that to a girl. I was in like second grade. Why? Because my parents, they said it all the time. I love, I love this, I love that, I love you. And so I'm like, I guess I love this little, this little 10 year old girl, you know? 
We, we overuse that word, and here's what, I've, here's what I've figured out is that love is learned. H how you love was learned. How you talk to people that you love is learned. Where'd you learn it? From your parents, from a coach, from a teacher. Um, what you do in a fight, whether you're gonna work it out or slam the door and walk out, was learned. Whether you yell at your kids for yelling at their siblings, it was learned. When your kids are acting up in the back seat and you start swinging, where'd you get that? Learned. When you go to watch porn when you're lonely, where'd you get it? Learned. When you drink and you're depressed, where'd you get it? Learned. A lot of our issues, they didn't start with us. But what's happened? We've learned them over and over and over, and here's the truth, is that the love you've experienced determines the love you will express. <laughs> you remember that verse in, uh, in Proverbs where it talks about that if you train up a child in the way they will go, when they get old, they won't depart from it? That's true, right? Like if you train up a child how they should go, when they get old, they're not gonna depart from it. Here's the problem. If love is learned, a lot of us have the issues we have because no one actually taught us. And so now you're older and it's hard for you to depart from your habits because those habits were trained. And if you learned it wrong, you'll live it wrong. I remember uh, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to Pastor Jared and I said, bro, I think it's about that time. I'm gonna give in and I'm gonna start golfing. He's like, praise God, you've been the one weird pastor that doesn't golf, you know? <laughs> He said, I'm gonna give you your first set of clubs. So JD, if you're watching, I'm gonna need you to give me those clubs next time you come preach. But um, I'm being for real about that, okay? <laughs> it's like, golf is expensive, okay? And so I remember talking to somebody and I was telling JD and then I was telling a friend of mine, he said, okay, if you're gonna take up golf, do me one favor. I said, what's that? He said, do not go to the driving range by yourself and start hitting golf balls. Why? That's the first thing I was gonna do. He said, because it's easier for you to learn the right way than to unlearn the wrong way. And I think a lot of us, it's true. It's why our relationships are dysfunctional. It's why we have the habits we have because you were trained as a child. And now that you're older, them old habits, they die hard. And it's easier for us to learn the right way than to unlearn the wrong way. And a lot of us, listen, we were trained and we learned the wrong way and the way we learned was just the way our parents taught us and the way they learned. And, and so here, here's the, the challenge we all have, right? We all have this like thing inside of us where we're going, oh, I wanna do right, but I can't. You see, Paul wrestled that in Romans seven, where it's like, I know what's right from wrong, but why do I keep doing what's wrong? It's because we fell into a pattern, not because you are a part of a generational curse because Christ canceled the curse, amen, somebody? But the fact is, is naturally we fall back into that same old pattern as our parents did and we end up doing the thing that we hate. And just because you saw how not to do it doesn't mean you know how to do it. Just because I know not to swing like Happy Gilmore doesn't mean I know how to swing like Tiger Woods. And a lot of us live that way. We just know what not to do. And so when it comes to love, I wanna show you biblically what it really means, and, and here's the good news. If you've learned it wrong, you don't have to live it wrong. 
Why? Because it says if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone. The old issue is gone. The old ideology is gone. Behold, the new has come. Now you and I can have a new creation in Christ. We don't have to live the old way. Can I get an amen? And so I just want to show you biblically, because we've just generalized this word so much that we love everything. But biblically, what you see is you see four different terms for this word love. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first love I want to talk about is a word phileo. Phileo is the love that describes a friendship. This is the most surface level of loves that we have. It's how you feel for your crew. It's how you feel for your fraternity or sorority. It's how you feel for your fake friends on Facebook, amen? It's how you feel for your small group. It's just coworkers. It's just kind of a real shallow love. The Bible talks about a brotherly or sisterly friendship type of love, and this is the word it uses. Here's the second type, it's eros. And this is the romantic love. This is the one Hollywood makes all the movies about. This is the butterflies in your belly. This is when you see that guy or that girl, you just fall in love, just instantly, until time goes on and then butterflies fly away. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Here's the second type of love. It's the third type of love is it's a storge love. And this is probably the most, one of the deepest forms of love that we feel as humans and his family. These are the people you love and you can't do nothing about it. You didn't pick them, but they picked you. Come on, right? Like, and here's the truth about family type of love, right? Like you love them, that don't mean you always like them though. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't do anything about it, but this is how you love your children or how you love your brother or your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your parents. And all of those are needed. All of those are valuable in our life. They're a part of what we need. But let me remind you again, our greatest needs are only met partially in people. And so the problem with these different types of relationships, when you look for acceptance and affection and affirmation from them, and that's the only source that you get one of those three things, is what you'll come to find out is that friendships, they're fickle. Yeah. <laughs> and man, they will come and go. You have no idea how many friends you actually have because of proximity alone. You don't believe me? Move away and see how many friends they'll call you. Anybody else been there? Quit your job and go get another job and let's see if y'all hang out after work. Why? Because friendships are fickle. Here's the problem with the romantic type of love is that it's fading. So friendships are fickle. But that romantic love, it's, it's fading. A six pack will turn into a dad bod like that. It will change. Come on, somebody. It's fading. Not that you divorce all the time or whatever. No, 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 that's what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the, the affection you feel. Like how many of you know if you're married, you don't just wake up wanting to cuddle every day. That's gonna take work. Anybody can sign a document and step into a covenant. It takes a lot of work to keep one. So that's the problem. There, there, it's, it's, it's fading. And then here's the problem with the family relationship. Families are frustrating. Can I get an amen, somebody? Woo, Woo that's right. <laughs> don't want to hang out with none of them. <laughs> Lying to your own mama about your plans tonight. <laughs> but it's frustrating. Why? Because like you, you have an expectation, they have an expectation, and we're not perfect, so neither one of them get met. Yeah. And so we, we have these like close relationships. You ever felt like you were the one that was always putting in the work and always initiating? And you know they love you, but it's like you don't even call, but you get mad at me when I don't come over. 
You got a car just like I got a car. The phone works both ways. And so these, hey man, y'all, this is, this for somebody. But here's the type of love I want to talk about. It's not love that's fickle or fading or frustrating. I think God brought you to church today and you're watching online because God wants you to understand this fourth type of love that comes from him. And it's known as agape love. And this agape love is divine. This agape love is unconditional. This agape love cannot be earned, nor can it be lost. So for everybody who's wondering, living in fear, whether God still loves you based on your performance for him, reminder that God loved Jesus when he was unknown and when he was known. His love doesn't change because you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Love is who God is. And I just wanted to tell you today, like I wanna talk to you about the love of God and here's why. Because this type of love is foundational. And it has the power to transform every other area. That when you experience this type of love, it makes it possible for you to express that type of love. What type of love am I talking about? Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his own agape, his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Come on, anybody thankful for that type of love right there? Why don't you clap your hands? And because of his love for you, Here's what he says to you in 1 John 4. He says, dear friends, let us love, agape, there it is again, one another, for love comes from God. And so if you want a love that's truly unconditional and a love that's not failing and a love that won't fall short, that part of you, that side of you, that desire for you, it can only come from God. And if you don't get it from God, you'll never find it in people. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna go to a story in the Bible in Genesis chapter 29, and I wanna take a look at this guy named Jacob, somebody say Jacob, and these two women named Leah, say Leah, and Rachel, say Rachel. And here's what you're going to find in this story is you're going to see them looking for love in all the wrong places. And now what I want to do is I want to, I want to take a look at this story and maybe you just can kind of insert it into your situation and let God speak to your heart today because this is not just a message for women. It's not just a message for men. It's not just a message for teenagers. I think it's a message for all of us that would be so bold and humble enough to say, I got some issues and there's a desire inside of me and I wanna be loved. I want, I want affection. And listen, whether you're a Christian or not, every human being on this earth wants to be wanted, needs to be needed and desires to be loved. And so we're gonna look at this story and what you're gonna see, we're gonna pick up and I wanna kind of give you some context. So um, Jacob is on the run. If you remember, as I preached last week, Jacob had a twin brother named Esau and uh, Esau was his daddy's favorite. Jacob was his mama's favorite. So Jacob has some daddy issues. So what does he do? He deceives his brother. Jacob means deceiver. He deceives his brother and trades him a bowl of soup because Jacob was in the kitchen cooking and his brother was hunting, didn't kill nothing that day. He said, hey, I'll give you some soup if you'll give me your birthright. That's his rich father's inheritance. So he tricks his brother, trades the birthright, and then to cover it up, his daddy, who loved Esau, knew Esau meant Harry, so Esau was Harry. What a weird name. By the way, if you're still thinking for a boy's name, Esau's probably available, all right. And so what does he do? He goes and kills an animal, covers his skin with animal hair, because his dad is going blind and tricks his dad into giving away the blessing as well. And you can imagine if you're Esau and that was your blessing and your birthright, if your little brother Jacob did that, you would wanna kill him too. And so Jacob, he's on the run from his brother Esau. Now what's funny about this 
is a lot of times we hear that story, we think they were little boys because that's how little boys fight. But how many of you know, just because you grow in age doesn't mean you grow in maturity. They were in their 70s. So here Jacob is a 70-year-old man on the run, single, no wife, running from his brother Esau, and he's heading to his uncle's house who he's never met named Laban. Say Laban. Laban is Rebekah, his mom's brother, and he's running to Laban's house, and he, he's on the way, and he, he sees this well, so he's thirsty. He goes up to this well, and all these guys are kind of hanging out. He's like, yo, why ain't y'all drinking from the well? They're like, bro, it's too heavy. We got to wait till enough guys get up here to roll the stone away, and he's like, okay, cool. Y'all know my uncle Laban? They're like, Laban? Yeah, we know Laban. And at that moment, that's where we're going to pick up in our story. Genesis 29, starting in verse 9. If you're ready, shout, I'm ready. If you need a second, say, hold up. All right. While he was still talking with them, the guys, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherd. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban and Laban's sheep, he went over, and look what he does. He rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Now pause, hold up, wait a minute. Let me bring some clarity in it. These guys, come on, these guys were there and it's too, too heavy for them to move it. What happens? Jacob sees a fine girl named Rachel. And how many of you know, guys will go through a lot of trouble to impress a girl. So what does he do? He's like, I got this. I'm gonna roll it away. He rolls it away. Rachel sees it. What happens next? When, J when Jacob saw her, what'd he do? He kissed her. Woo. Right off the bat, this guy's got game. He's like, did you see me roll that stone away? Put another 45 on the bench press. I got you, you know? <laughs> and so here's how Rachel walks into the gym and it says, then Jacob kissed Rachel. Now, if you're tracking with this, Rachel was his cousin. Now, pause, because I know today that would be weird, hopefully for you. <laughs> this lady, two weeks ago, she's like, I wish this church was a little bit more traditional. And I said, do you mean like singing hymns traditional or making out with your cousin traditional? <laughs> I'll take the hymns, but I don't know about the other. You know what I'm saying? But see, in this time, it wasn't weird. Like back then, it wasn't, there wasn't anything odd. So here he is making out with his cousin, and then they start to weep aloud. He told Rachel he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebekah, so she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him. Thank God we don't have that tradition either. How many of you want to kiss your uncle? Lift your hand. Praise God. I love this church. Come on, somebody. So Laban, his uncle, that's a proper greeting back then, you can understand. Laban kissed him, brought him to his home, and then Jacob told him all these things. Now, I want to point this out real quick, because Laban sees him. He's excited. It's his nephew. Hugs him, kisses him. But what you're about to read is Laban didn't have the best intentions, which goes to say to every single person in the house, just because somebody will hug you and kiss you doesn't mean that they've got the best thing going on for you. Like there's people who are good to you, but not good for you. And so Laban, he's got some ill intentions. He has an agenda, watch what happens. Then Laban said to him, you're my own flesh and blood. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, man, just because you're a relative of mine, you shouldn't have to work for, for nothing. Tell me your wages, what they should be. So he's like, name your price. Like, I'm not gonna make you just work for free for me because we're family. Like, let's make a deal. What do you want out of this work, Jacob? Now, Laban had two daughters. I'm gonna need you to help me out. The older, her name was 
and the name of the younger was? Now, Leah had weak eyes. Pause. That is not a compliment. This is the Bible's way of saying Leah had a great personality. How's Leah? Is she cute? Eh, she's got a good heart. She had weak eyes. Some theologians meant, say that that meant she had a lazy eye or crazy eyes, a cross-eyed. But Rachel, woo, Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. What's that mean? It means that she was good in the face and curvy in the waist. That's what that means. <laughs> Some of you are so offended. I can't believe this gentleman is talking this way. This is the Bible. She was curvy. This is what the Bible says. So Rachel was bad. Leah was also bad, just in her own way. Jacob, watch, typical guy. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. How amazing must Rachel have looked to work for seven years? Now listen, I would work for my wife for seven years, but I don't know if I'd wanna work for my father-in-law. I'm not gonna lie to you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> work for seven years. Laban said, listen, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. Sweetest verse in the whole Bible, right here, look. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Somebody say, oh. Now let me show you Jacob's real intention. Next verse. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is complete. I wanna make love to her. Do I need to translate his pure motives? He's like, it seemed like a couple days to me. Yeah, because she had a good waist and a pretty face. No, your intentions, Jacob, just come on out with it then. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. Now, it must've been a lot of alcohol here, here's why. When evening came, he, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob accidentally made love to her. And when morning came, there was Leah. <laughs> hey, big boy. <laughs> he goes, Runs out butt naked to his uncle Laban. And he says, what is this that you have done to me, uncle Laban? How are you gonna do me like that? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Huh, interesting. The deceiver got deceived. Maybe you got deceived, Jacob, because a man reaps what he sows. <laughs> See, if you live a lie, you'll end up lying next to Leah. The trickster got tricked. He gets deceived. Let me show you what happens next, because God will not be mocked. Laban replied, well, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, and then we'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. How, how ugly, I'm just saying, how ugly did Leah have to be for her own dad? to be like, look, I know she ain't much, but if you wanna work for another seven years, we'll give you Rachel. That will cause some daddy issues right there. Also, side note, if the Bible said you ugly, how, come on now, that's, and Jacob did so, look, seven years of work, he did so, he finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant, 
and Jacob made love to Rachel also. So he, so he still gave in with Leah, but he also slept with Rachel, but his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Verse 31, this is the turning point. You're going to take notes. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Uh, when the Lord saw that Leah wasn't loved, when the Lord saw that Jacob didn't want Leah, she wasn't good looking enough for him. When the Lord saw his pettiness, when the Lord saw Leah crying in bed late at night because she felt unloved and unwanted, God does what God always does. And he says, Jacob, you may have not loved Leah, but I love Leah. And here's what that means. If, if God loved Leah, God loves you too. Won't you just declare this out loud? Say, the Lord loves me. I wanna to speak to every Leah in the house, everybody who's ever felt rejected, everybody who's ever felt unwanted, unseen, unheard, whether you're a man or a woman, you didn't get invited to the party, you didn't get the invitation, people walk right past you, people don't care about you, no one told you they loved you, no one's shown you they loved you. Listen, you may not feel loved by people, but the Lord loves Leah. Yeah. Jacob didn't want Leah, but God did. So if you're here today and you, maybe you struggle with feeling unwanted and maybe you deal with comparison and you think you don't look like Rachel or, or maybe, you're, maybe you're a guy and you think that you gotta somehow earn your dad's approval because you didn't get it as a kid and now you gotta prove yourself over and over and over and he treated your siblings better than he treated you. He didn't affirm you he doesn't accept you and you're never good enough. Your name may not be Leah, but boy, are you loved like Leah. You are loved by God. But see, we hear that and you've heard that. God loves you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I've heard all that. I think the problem though with us and the problem with Leah is we know it here, but it ain't changed here. And so what did God say? He said, Leah, I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be blessed in a way your sister won't be blessed. I'm going to give you children. And so let's pick up and watch what happens. It says this. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. Say Reuben. For she said, it's because the Lord has seen, somebody say seen, the Lord has seen my misery. How did God love Leah and how does God love you? God sees you. Come on, say that with me. Say, the Lord sees me. Write it down, take it to the bank because the next time you feel forgotten, the next time you feel unseen, the next time you feel abandoned, the next time you're lonely at night and you start to look for love in the wrong places on the internet or through the text message or in a DM or a partner or some friend with benefits, whatever it may be, you need to know when you feel unseen, God sees you. That the Lord saw Leah and he has this way of selecting what man is rejecting. 
God has a way to go. I know you aren't wanted by them, but you're wanted by me. They may not love you, but I do. You may not feel seen, but I see you. Come on, is anybody thankful that they, you have a God who sees you? Come on, why don't we just praise him right now? That's a truth that needs to get into somebody's spirit. The Lord sees you. But again, I can tell that to you. But if it, if it only makes it to your notepad, but not into your soul, you'll find yourself thinking the same thing Leah did after she has that first kid. Surely my husband will love me now. See, she thought, if I just had his baby, then he'll give me affection. Then he'll show me how much he really cares. I wonder how many of you are trying to get something from someone because you feel unseen. I wonder how hard you're working and how much money you're spending to please that spouse just to feel love. If you're not careful, God will give you a blessing and you'll make it a burden because you're trying to win the affection of somebody else. Nothing wrong with having babies. I love babies. I'm having a third one. I love making babies. That ain't the problem. The problem isn't the what. The problem is the why. She says, I, maybe this will work. I tried it all to get them to love me. Maybe if I earn enough money, maybe if I say all the right stuff, Maybe if I perform a little better in bed, maybe if I go to the gym, maybe if I look good, then if I have their kids, maybe they'll love me. Didn't work, watch happens. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I'm not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon, which means the Lord hears. And if the Lord heard Leah, the Lord hears you. Say that with me, say the Lord hears me. God hears you. We sang that song earlier, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. That doesn't always mean he answers on your time, but it does mean he heard you. And, and I believe that his plan, his ways, his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so whatever God wills and whatever God acts is far better for you than anything you could even know to ask for. And he hears you. He hears your cry. He knows your pain. He knows you don't feel loved. He knows you're looking for love in all the wrong places. But it says, He hears you. Scripture says He's close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. For some of you, this series is really, really heavy because you grew up and you didn't have a dad. And your kids don't have a dad. Can I tell you that God says he's a father to the fatherless? God hears you. Come on, why don't we thank God for that truth right there? Why don't we praise him right there? He's a father to the fatherless. Let that sink into your soul today. But wasn't enough. <laughs> Kid number two didn't work either. 34, then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. He was named Levi. For she says, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I've given him three sons. The first one didn't really work. I had another one, didn't work. Surely after I give him a third son, he's gonna, he's gonna feel affection for me. See, she named him Levi. Because huh. Levi means attached. She's so hopeful 
that by having this third son, it'll somehow like attach her and Jacob in a way. I guess because she thought, well, you can leave me with two sons, but you're not gonna leave me with three. Nothing wrong with having three sons. But hear me, that kid's role that God gave you isn't to give you love because your spouse didn't give it to you. That child's love is to be a picture of God's love for you. You don't have to get Jacob to fall in love with you when you got a God that already does. And if you're not careful, you'll look for love in all the wrong places and miss the love that is standing right in front of you all alone. Where are you looking for love? She says, I, I tried to have a third one and that didn't, that didn't work. So once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. That's number four. She named him Judah. For she said, now I'm gonna praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. I love how Leah comes to the point where she decides, you know what? I've been looking for love and affection in all the wrong places. And after it didn't work the first three times, I guess I'm gonna just start praising God now because Judah meant praise. I think it's time for some of us to come to the point in our own life where we stop looking for love where we don't have it and we start praising God for where we do. Where we go, I don't have what everybody else has. I don't have maybe what I want or what I desire. They don't love me the way I wish they would love me, but I don't have to get the affection from Jacob when I'm loved by Jesus. Come on, I can just give God praise now for the blessings I do have instead of being consumed by everything I don't have. Come on, why don't you thank God right there? You don't need the affection of Jacob when you have the love of Jesus. See, Leah and Rachel, they were constantly battling back and forth. And Rachel had what Leah wanted, a cute face and a pretty waist. She had a husband who, who really loved her and shown her affection. But Leah had what Rachel wanted, but couldn't have. Kids, they both were blessed, but they missed it because they were looking for love in the wrong place. So you read the next chapter of Genesis 30, they just start having kids like crazy. So it says that, that Leah was done. She was done for a little bit. And then because her sister was competitive, her sister gave Jacob her servant and said, hey, I can't have kids. Won't you sleep with my girl? She'll make kids for us. And then Leah goes, well, I'm, I'm done having kids for now. I gotta let my body heal. Come on, I, I gotta do something. So what does she do? She gives Jacob her servant as well. So now Jacob, he ain't just sleeping with Rachel and Leah. He's sleeping with two servants as well. What are they doing? They're going back and forth trying to compete. And if you read that scripture, what you'll find is, is that Leah goes, well, at least the women will love me now. What'd she do? She just transferred her affection from her spouse onto other women and onto her community and was like, well, if I can't get his acceptance and I won't get Rachel's acceptance, that's my sibling. I'll just work for it from other women. And hopefully if I have enough kids, I'll have enough value. Can I just speak to those of you who don't have kids? and the, kid, the ones who can, your value is not determined by your children. Your value is determined by God. The answer is not found outside. Your, your needs are partially met in people, but they're perfectly met in God. Amen? Won't you stand to your feet? I wanna show you this as we close. And um, 
I love that part where it says she named him Judah. And she said, I'm just gonna praise God for his love for me, that he would bless me even when I didn't find satisfaction in him, that he loved me even when I didn't love him. I love that she named him Levi, son number three. Cause she was like, maybe this will attach me to my husband. You remember one of the first disciples Jesus called? His name was Levi. God, despite their running and looking for love in all the wrong places, God used them both. He used the Leah's and he uses the Rachel's and he uses the Jacob's. And if he can use Leah and he can use Rachel and he can use Jacob, he can use you too. Come on, say that. Let me say the Lord can use me. Say the Lord can use me. Come on, say it one more time. Say the Lord can use me. Now, here's the question. Can he? How long are you gonna disqualify yourself from the love of God because of what you did yesterday? Can God use you? Will you allow him? Because he can. He can use you. And you may not feel attached to a spouse or a family member or a friend. You may not feel seen. You may not feel heard. But Romans 8 says that I'm convinced of this, neither death nor life, nor past nor present, nor angels, nor demons, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation can separate me from the agape love of God. Amen? Come on, that's a good place to say thank you right there. That's a good place to show some gratitude to a God who loves you and He can use you. And I just wanna show you, because I know you're wondering, how in the world did He use Leah and Rachel? Well, fast forward to Matthew chapter one. Here's what it says. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Help me out. Isaac, the father of? Jacob, the father of? Judah who was Judah's mom, it wasn't Rachel, it was Leah. I'm gonna skip those next couple verses in Matthew because I don't even know how to read all the names, but 14 generations after 14 generations, I just wanna show you what came from Leah. Verse 16, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah. What does that mean? It means that Jesus came from the line of Leah. You have no idea what God will do through you if you will say, God, you can use me. Even though you ran and even though you failed to love him, the gospel is not about your love for God. The gospel is about God's love for you. And if he can use Rachel's, he can use Leah's. And if he can use Jacob's, he can use me. Come on, why don't you worship God if you believe that he can use you today, if your answer is yes. So I, I just want us to take a second and I wanna sing the whole song. We're gonna run a little late. Um, I just, I feel like, man, we didn't do this last service. I, I think somebody in this room needs to hear and see and experience the love of God. 
So I just wanna make some room and allow you, allow you to do that today. And if you don't know this song, you don't have to sing it, just look at it. But let the words of this song penetrate your spirit today. Cause you're the one he loves. You ain't got nothing to prove. Let's be people that help other people know that when God looks at them in Jesus, that you are my child who I love. And with you, I am well pleased. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you as living and active. We thank you that it's good. Thank you for loving us with an unconditional love and an unconditional grace. Thank you for using Leah's and using Rachel's and using Jacob's. God, we believe today that you can still use us, that you have a way of taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it for good. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we all said. Come on, we all said. Come on, why don't you just praise God and thank you for the way you love Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church give. Have a blessed day.